Welcome to The Best of Us, an education podcast that highlights the concepts, practices, and stories of K-12 professional learning leaders working to enhance the educator experience and bring an excellent education to all students. To get the best of our students, we need the best of our educators. And in each episode, we'll bring you the professional learning leaders who are doing just that to enable your work. The Best of Us is brought to you by KickUp, your partner for ensuring that the investments you make to increase educator capacity find their way into the classroom. Hi, I'm Jeremy Rogoff, co-founder and CEO of KickUp and the host of the Best of Us podcast. In this episode, I sat down with professional learning expert, Joellen Killian. We covered a lot in a short conversation, like how important it is in a professional learning context, especially to listen to and respect the experience of our educators. We covered the Kassab framework and how busy professional learning leaders can apply it to their school. We talked about the tension between school-based professional learning and district-level professional learning and much more. I always love speaking with Joellen because as you'll see in our conversation, she's truly a lifelong learner and brings such a respect for both educators and students to her work. Joellen is senior advisor to Learning Forward and served for many years as the association's deputy executive director. As senior advisor, she leads initiatives related to the link between professional development and student learning. She led the most recent revision of the standards for professional learning and has extensive experience in planning, designing, implementing, and evaluating professional learning at the school, district, and state levels. She's the author or co-author of numerous books, including The Feedback Process, Transforming Feedback for Professional Learning. Her newest book, Elevating School-Based Professional Learning, will be released on January 5th, 2023. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Joellen Killian, welcome to The Best of Us. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm delighted to be here. We are so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Someone that I've looked up to and we've followed throughout the years to really understand the impact of professional learning. I want to start just 30,000 foot where I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, what is the headspace right now of educators? What's top of mind for the educators that you're working with in the field? That's a great question. I would say there's multiple things in the four field of educators. One is just how to care for the children, students in their classrooms, how to maintain their sense of safety and belonging, that capacity of um, being able and confident to be successful learners. How do we reinstate and reinstill that in the students in our schools today? And I, and I think that just moves up a level to how do we do that with the adults in our schools? So that would be first and foremost. I know there's so much chatter about the learning that students have lost during the years. And I know many educators are concerned about that. Yet they're also quite confident that they have the capacity to fill those um, gaps and help students be successful if they can help students feel connected and purposefully engaged in school. So it's really that connection piece, reinvesting in the relationship between the educator and the students. It's interesting yes. that you said educators feel like they have 
the capacity and the confidence to do that work. Um, I haven't, I haven't heard somebody put it that way. What, what makes you say that? I, I think a lot of people just don't trust educators these days. We're hearing a, a great deal of mistrust. We're hearing a lot of um, discussion about how they need to be told what to do every step of the way. And so many of the teachers, particularly that I deal with and coaches that I deal with, do have a sense of confidence. They've been in their roles for many years. They have expertise. And in some cases, they're just not feeling listened to. And so I want to be able to open doors and allow us to have the conversations that matter to help educators really be able to address and solve the problems they're facing with instead of having those problems necessarily solved by someone from the outside who doesn't necessarily know who their students are, what their school is about, or what their community is. So I, I trust educators. I know they know what to do. Sure, could they have more resources and more knowledge at their fingertips? Yes. And I believe we can trust what they know. They, they are experts and they care. They care about students, they care about their communities, and they too want every student to be successful. Yeah. One of the things that I've always appreciated about your work, Joellen, is the emphasis that you put on supporting our educators and the importance of high quality support and professional learning. And you're known in the field for really championing the idea of assessing the impact of professional learning, because if we're going to devote resources to supporting our teachers who then support our students, we should understand how those resources are being used. And if they're really making use of the the finite time and money um, that we have to, to train, grow, and develop our educators. And one of the concepts that I think has really stuck with me over the years is, is Kasab. I'd love for you to explain what, what that framework is and also how professional learning leaders could apply that to their practice. Because I know that's something that we've found a lot of professional learning leaders want to do but it can be hard, you know, with all of the other priorities and challenges in their day-to-day work to really think critically about how they're assessing impact. And I love the Kasab framework. So could you tell us more about what it is and, and how it can be applied to, to a professional learning leader's work? A Kasab framework is a way of taking learning apart and looking at the dimensions of learning So CASAB stands for Knowledge, Attitude, Skill, Aspiration, and Behavior. And if we look at what we want a student to learn, an adult to learn, ourselves, there are multiple dimensions of that learning. So I'm just going to give you an example. I can know the steps of changing a tire on my car. I can literally um, list those steps, tell you what they are. I could read them in a book. I could perhaps know how 
to attach the jack. I could know how to get those lug nuts un- loose. I could know how you sometimes have to jump on the, that wrench to be able to get the, the lug nuts loose. I could um, show you how to pull off a tire, put on a tire. But then do I really do it? When I'm in an emergency, I'm on the side of a highway and it's raining, am I really going to do it? And part of whether or not I'm going to do it depends on my attitude in the moment. In that moment, does my attitude believe, do I believe I have capacity to do this? Do I trust myself to get out and do this, even though I, I know how and I know I can And then I have to ask myself, do I want to? Plain and simple. That's my aspiration. If it's raining, it's late at night. If I'm in a place where perhaps I'm not feeling like I could be safe, then I might call the tow truck to come and help me. Or better yet, I might buy a car with run flat tires. (laughs) So I can know things I can believe in my capacity to do things. I can know how to do things. I can want to. But the bottom line there where that Kassab uh, sequence ends is with the B, and that is, will I do it? And I think in learning, we often emphasize the knowing about and the skills to do, and we fail to emphasize the doing. So in schools, when teachers are writing goals for students, they often will write them in a frame that said, students will know and be able to do. That's great. I want to add, and they will do in multiple contexts to demonstrate their learning. So it goes beyond just the knowledge and skills. It moves into more authentic application of learning. When I'm working with professional learning leaders, I ask them what they expect teachers, principals, coaches, instructional facilitators, whomever those learners are, what do they expect to see in practice? And that is the outcome we strive to achieve. We might have to start with building some baseline knowledge. We might need to work on helping them develop an attitude or value for a new uh, approach to learning. We might have to work on some skill dimensions. We might also have to work on their desire and aspiration. And we certainly often have to provide the support for that transition of that learning, that transfer of learning into practice. And when you see educators struggle, um, professional learning leaders struggle to implement this framework to move towards the application of learning in multiple contexts, where do they most struggle? What's, What's standing in their way? Um, I've heard a couple things. 
the easier one for for me to address, and and I think we will address when we get to some conversation about the book today, um, is behavior. How do you support that transfer of learning into practice? So that learning becomes more routine. It's embedded in my practice. It's what I do. And we use coaching and we use peer support groups and problem solving to address some of those. And that I often hear from professional learning leaders. Those are expensive ways to support the learning. And they're looking for things that are perhaps less expensive because plain and simple coaching is expensive. And they're also looking for ways that might have more immediate impact. The other areas they struggle with are attitude and aspiration. Almost all professional learning, in my experience, has been focused on building knowledge and skills. And for me, those are two-fifths of the formula and often the less important part of the process. If we shifted professional learning to focus on attitude, aspiration, and behavior, I contend we would have greater results. And so when people struggle with attitude and aspiration, they often ask questions about how do you do that? Because those are abstractions. Mm -hmm. And there are strategies for addressing those. One is dialogue. One is taking time to understand and surface assumptions. It happens in coaching. It happens in a conversation. It happens in taking time to understand the why of what we're doing. So there are ways. It's not impossible. It's just a different approach to learning than what we've seen in what might be considered training. Mm. Some ways you have to slow down to be able to speed up. And and I think there, we often find in professional go. learning so much of what happens can be, like you said, the what instead of the why. Um, and and the change happens at the individual level for somebody to really change their their aspirations, their attitude, their mindsets. So you hinted yes. at this. You recently wrote a book. Um, it's called Elevating School-Based Professional Learning. And I think it's it'll be coming out close to the end of the year. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about why you wanted to write the book? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. First, I want to acknowledge my two co-authors, William Summers, a, a dear colleague for many, many, many years, uh, a man who um, has prides himself in being a principal who goes into schools that are struggling and turns them around. And he seeks opportunities to do that. And um, Anne Delahant, a consultant who's worked for many, many years with union leaders, with educators in school systems, and her field of expertise is facilitating and professional learning. So these are this is a team of people I'm just incredibly blessed to work with. And we wanted to do this book because 
we have seen so much happen over the years of our careers that we have found, I think, some sweet spots that we could highlight, we could help people understand, we could give them resources and tools to implement strategies that build their capacity, their efficacy and agency with designing and implementing learning that matters to them. The learning that they have the opportunity to design and implement, not the learning that comes from somebody outside that someone else decides they need, but the learning they get to be a part of designing, facilitating, implementing, assessing, and evaluating. And when we transfer that responsibility to the educators themselves, we build their buy-in, we build their motivation, we help them understand their professionalism, how important it is. And we also help help them realize that what happens in one school may not be appropriate in the next school. Every school context is unique. And helping educators understand that situational nature of schools and students and communities, how schools are embedded within their communities, and to work with the assets that are embedded within, that's the real joy of the book and what we're so excited to be able to share with educators in schools today. That's amazing. What do you mean by school-based professional learning? I, you know, I know we talk about professional learning broadly. Oftentimes people think PD, professional development, can sometimes be uh, thought of as a bad word um, in, in some contexts and, and often oftentimes um, is associated with district level professional learning. So mm-hmm. what's your, what's your mm-hmm. definition of school-based professional learning? Well, you just identified, Jeremy, attention that exists in school systems, the tension that exists between decisions that are made at a district level and decisions that are made at a school level. There are clearly in every school system valid reasons for making decisions at a district level and implementing initiatives, programs, resources, processes from a district perspective. There's efficiency, there's opportunity to work collectively toward a vision. When it comes to learning, the most powerful place for learning to happen is in the work every day. So school-based professional learning focuses on how to use the daily experiences of educators within the school as the environment, the context in which learning happens. So there may be some district professional development that happens. Let's just say, for example, um, today so many schools are dealing with language learners. So maybe there are um, opportunities for teachers to participate in training on strategies for supporting language learners in the everyday classroom. 
that's great. Educators come away with some knowledge and skills. Now the big question is, will they be able to implement that knowledge and skills in their own classrooms, in their own curriculum, and with the students who are in their classrooms? This is where school-based professional learning can really take over to begin to help educators understand how to apply within the work that they are doing. So school-based professional learning sets goals that are focused on implementation, application. It focuses on ongoing kind of rapid assessment cycles. How did it work? Is it working? Is it working with some students, not other students? What changes and alterations do we need to make? What are we learning that's working in some classrooms with some students, but not in others? What, what's the difference there? How do we make sense of that? So this is the learning of the practice, embedded in the practice where it matters most. It almost feels like school-based professional learning is that kind of connective tissue between a district's goals and priorities and the realities of the classroom and the realities of the students and teachers that are in those classrooms every day and ensuring that there's the not just the understanding of the educators in, in the schools what to do and going back to your Kassab framework, why it's important, but really being able to be the the last mile of implementation, which is where all of the work really happens and all the important work really happens. So I'm curious, you know, who who's involved in school-based professional learning? I have some ideas, but I'm, I'm curious if you have a mental model for thinking about that. Well, I would say everyone who's a learner is involved in the process. So we can start with the district folks who have a responsibility for helping build capacity for school-based professional learning help teacher leaders and principals understand processes, tools that they can use for school-based professional learning, perhaps team leaders or coaches or facilitators at school sites who would be making or who would be facilitating some of that work. But literally every single adult in a school has a responsibility, either as a learner And as a learner, there's a responsibility to contribute to what the learning is about, how it is designed, and contributing evidence information that will help make decisions about what's working and not working. So every classroom teacher, every support staff member, we're all learners. When we learn, students learn. And if we aren't seeing ourselves as a learner, then probably our practice is becoming stagnant and we may not be having the effect that we could have. So everyone is involved. Some may have more responsibility. For example, team leaders, grade level uh, leaders or department chair in a school may have more responsibility for collecting information, organizing opportunities for learning to take place, helping to shape the goals for professional learning that happens 
with teams or school-wide. The principal or administrative team certainly has a good deal of responsibility, either directly as kind of the lead facilitator of this work, or at least the person that sanctions the work and charges the right team with the work. So in some schools, it's the school leadership team that takes on the oversight or management of this work. Sometimes there's a special professional development or professional learning team that has that responsibility. Some schools or school systems have a professional learning facilitator, a teacher leader who may have a special responsibility. Every person has responsibility as a contributor, a facilitator, and a learner. And I think that's a shift for so many people. There's been a, a history of professional learning done to people or professional development done to people. And we're in an age where that just is not an, a way to honor the expertise of professionals. It's time for us to realize that we are responsible for our learning and the learning of every one of our colleagues. So Joellen, I think what's so inspiring about this message is that it focuses on the people in the buildings, the, the people doing the work. It's not some new curriculum or new content or new technology that is um, going to be some type of silver, silver bullet. It's saying we as adults have the collective responsibility and ability to improve the way that we learn and then therefore improve the way that our students learn. But not every school and not every district is there or ready yet. What do you see as some of the stumbling blocks or the challenges standing in the way of your vision of school-based professional learning? I think uh, you just mentioned perhaps the largest one. School systems aren't there yet. There, there is um, a set of assumptions that I think are important to put on the table and examine. And one of those assumptions is that schools need guidance to do this work, to be given direction about what they need, how to do it, and support in doing it. That's a, a set of us, that's an assumption that guides a good deal of district-driven professional learning. There are places where schools and school staff may not yet be ready to step into that area of responsibility. And I'd ask, what are districts doing to build that capacity and to help support it versus rather the process of just continuing to make decisions for schools? The, the other side of that is the issue of where in the busy, everyday, frenetic pace of schools, are educators finding the time to be able to engage in professional learning? 
and not now just engage in it, but also to be responsible for making decisions about design, about how to support implementation, how to assess effectiveness. Those are, in many cases, seem like added responsibilities to the already heavy load school-based educators are carrying. So those are two challenges, I think, that we're facing. The sort of set of assumptions about whose responsibility this is and um, then also the issue of resources and primarily that resource of time. And how how can you how do you see schools overcoming those two seemingly structural challenges? You know, one of the expectation that that we need guidance, and the second being just the the there's no more time in the day. There's no more hours in the day. Right. How do you overcome some of those challenges? So the, it, I'll start with the one about the structural issues in terms of assumptions that people hold. I think as a simple solution, and this is, I am first and foremost an optimist. I'm a, I always look for a simple solution. I think an, an easy way to do it is try it. Just, if not whole scale, district-wide, invite schools who may um, feel ready or willing to take on this responsibility, set some parameters, provide some guidance to help them, and let them experiment with discovering their own needs and their own processes. Many school systems already have the beginning of this structure with school improvement planning processes or school improvement plans or unified plans they ask schools to write. So schools are already aware of where their highest priority needs are. They're already aware of um, what they want to have happen for kids. And in many cases, they've written some plans to take action toward those um, outcomes. What doesn't often happen as a part of that process is thinking about what needs to change in educator practice to get closer and closer and closer to what they want for students. Mm. We're always thinking about what needs to change in students without thinking about how the educator actions are influencing what happens for students. So I think we could just uh, encourage more districts and schools to create an agreement about holding schools accountable and responsible for achieving a set of successes and guiding them toward designing what would be contextually appropriate for their schools. And, and I believe there are a lot of places where this is already happening. I, I think, I know there are many schools and school systems that really are encouraging schools to be the center of learning. The time issue is another struggle. It's one I, I could talk for hours about. I believe there are some ways for us to examine existing time, how it's being used, and how to alter the use of time 
to create more opportunities for that time to be focused on learning. For example, we have a great many informational meetings in schools. How about if we shifted informational meetings into learning meetings, where instead of passing information, which could be done in other means, how about if we use some of that time to bring real problems and explore using research evidence from um, multiple places, what are some viable ways to address those issues and which of those ways might be most appropriate given our school, our community, our students, and our capacity. So I think there are ways, it's not a silver bullet. I'd love to reform school schedules in general. I'd love every school to have a weekly block of time for educator collaborative learning, not just collaboration, but really focused on learning. I'd love for the school schedules to make sure that we were using time more effectively. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there someday. And again, mm -hmm. I think we just want to celebrate the many, many schools and school systems that are already making giant strides in providing time and thinking a bit more savvily about how. I don't know what that word is. Um, <laughs> more savvy? That, that's, you know, sav they're being smarter. There you they're, go. They're being smarter. They're being, I think we want to, I think we want to congratulate the schools mm -hmm. that are being smarter about how to use time and, and really providing concentrated blocks of time for educator learning, not just collaboration, but collaboration is really focused on changing how educators think and how they act. Yeah, how we use time in a school day will be a whole separate podcast that we'll have to do. And uh, I think there's so much there to dig into. But Joellen, this has been such a, a rich and inspiring conversation. I'm excited to read the book when it does come out. Um, first of all, when do you know when it does come out? It does. It, our publication date is December 30th. There we go. It'll be a, a new little New Year's gift folks a little new year's gift right and and people can find out about the book and i believe pre-order it at solutiontree.com backslash elevate love it so joellen the last two questions i have for you are the questions that i that i plan to ask everyone um what's something that you're reading or listening to right now that might be in addition to uh, elevating school-based professional learning, that might be um, a valuable resource for professional learning leaders. I am now reading a book called The Four Pivots, Reimagining Justice, Reimagining Ourselves by Sean Ginwright. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. And he focuses on four different ways for us to think and act in our daily lives, in our professional lives, 
in our uh, relationships to others. And he encourages us to shift from lenses to mirrors. That's mm. the first pivot from transactional to transformative. That's the second from problem to possibility. That's the third and from hustle to flow. That's mm. the fourth. And I am just really appreciating the many shifts he is causing me to be aware of in my own thinking. And I am very grateful for the opportunity to be digging into this book right now. I love that you are always learning and always trying to improve your own practice. Um, last question, where can people find you? Um, the easiest way to find me is my email address, J.P. Killian, K-I-L-L-I-O-N, at Mac, M-A-C dot com. That's the easiest way. And I do have a Twitter account, at J.P. Killian. So those are the easiest ways to find me. Great. Joelle and Killian, thank you so much for being on The Best of Us. Thank you, Jeremy. My honor. Thanks for listening to The Best of Us. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the KickUp PLC at kickup.co slash PLC, where you'll find all the episodes of our podcast and other resources to help educators maximize the impact of their professional learning program.